0: I'm Elena. I'm
1: Court, and I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Elena, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug?
0: I think the plug that's on my mind today is uh, the Be Real app because when I was at the doctor for an embarrassing medical problem, and they offered to take a picture to help, like, explain it to me, the Be Real app notification came up just as I was handing my phone over. And we both died laughing. It was the best time I've had at the doctors in a while.
1: I don't understand this joke. Yeah, this this is the app that's...
0: Yeah, it uh, it uh, prompts you at a random time every day to take a, a selfie, oh. and also it takes <laughs> a picture with the other side of the camera of like whatever you're looking at. So like if, you know like let's just post your embarrassing skin problem to the entire internet.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Wait. Are you are you doing this then? Should I should I have your be real account?
0: If you want to, if you want to see my face every day, I've been doing it for like a week now and it's been fun.
2: Does it archive them forever or is it a, a, an ephemeral thing?
0: I think it archives them for you, but like the people that you're sharing with can't go back and see your old ones. You can like pin ones and maybe they could see those. I, like I said, I've been using it for a week, so I don't Mm -hmm. know it super well.
2: Kudos for, for commitment to the bit there. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be be easy to just ignore it if it's not convenient, but, but you got to lean in, I guess that's the whole spirit of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 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 uh, hang on. How does this go? I've done the, I've done like 215 <laughs> of these episodes. Cork, do you have anything to plug? Yes. Well, yes,
2: I do. In fact, I have a few things to plug. <laughs> do you want to ask? Uh, if, <laughs> so we can edit it later and make it sound like, you know, no, no, done. this is perfect.
1: This okay, is, great. uh,
2: okay. <clears> okay. <throat> Um, well, uh, let's see. Is this going out on the the 20th of November?
1: Um, Is that what the schedule said? That is the plan. Yes.
2: All right. Well, uh, the 20th of November is my birthday. So I'd like to plug being born.
1: Dang. Uh, Nice. It's, it's worked
2: out pretty well for me so far. A few ups Happy birthday.
0: Congrats.
2: Thank you. I, I, I guess I could also plug, uh, the, 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 the dance, dance revolution song 20 November, uh, which people send me on my birthday every year. So, so listen to it. And by earth,
1: wind and fire. It's a classic. (laughs)
2: Dance in Remembrance of Me.
1: Very good. And I would like to plug um, Pico Steve Mo. which on, on the 20th of November, you will have 10 days left to participate in this month-long game jam about the works of Stephen King. It's uh, organized by a um, Topic Lords listener and someone in the Topic Lords Discord. I'm very excited about it basically because – multiple people i know will be participating but the idea yeah. is you you make a, a pico eight game inspired by in some way stephen king you don't have to like stephen king it's okay you could make a pico eight game about how about he,
0: cemetery being hard to spell properly
1: yes for example oh yeah it could just be a spelling game that would be perfect
0: yeah
2: i'm also very excited about pico steve mo i'm 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 planning to participate and have been tossing around uh, some hastily drawn concept art with with my team our proposal
1: i might ruin your birthday by pushing this episode up a couple of weeks actually that's totally fine because i do <laughs> we want to plug this it'll, it'll,
2: it'll still be my birthday on the 20th whether or not you change the publication date
1: okay all right I, i'm glad it. i'm glad i'm glad that's all right uh are we ready to start on some topics
0: love a topic
1: i was born ready a your topic is my due date is literally tomorrow
0: Oh, yeah. So I guess on the topic of being born,
1: November 21st,
0: (laughs) October 21st is my due date to give birth. So by the time that this episode airs, presumably I will have done that thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, right. What
2: what can one say? How how are you feeling?
0: Um, like high internal pressure, like the PSI here is (laughs) it's up there.
2: I, I wasn't sure if he meant like, you know, emotional pressure or <laughs> or physical forces attempting to escape.
0: I'm feeling like pretty good about it emotionally. I'm like in a kind of unique position because I'm giving birth as a surrogate for some friends of mine. So like, it's not my kid. I get to just hand her off when I'm done.
1: Right, right. You just do the, the hard work and then the hard work for other people begins.
0: Yeah, right. And then, right. then they get the easy part of raising a child. <laughs> yeah, right. dealing with a screaming newborn. Successful
2: adulthood, you know. Nothing to it.
1: Eh, right. You know, you get you get a kid up to like age four, and they're basically fine.
0: <laughs> At that point, you can abandon them to the wolves, and they'll probably survive.
1: Hey, there's, there's no wolves here in in the Bay Area. <laughs>
0: well, hell, a, what are you going to do with your four year old then?
1: <laughs> you just you just let him hang Hand out. Them to eat, some coyotes, they're close enough. Eat cigarettes <laughs> off the sidewalk. <laughs>
2: Dump them in the cat, not the Castro, the Tenderloin. That's what I'm thinking of. That's oh. that neighborhood where you don't want to dump a kid. <clears throat> <I'm laughs> if they can, that that has got to be worse than wolves.
1: That's a lot of neighborhoods. Yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. So you, you talked mm-hmm. about the surrogacy. Have yeah. you, have you t- talked about this on the on the show before? I can't remember. I'm not
0: sure. It it might have come up at all because, like, I have definitely been on the podcast since I started being pregnant.
1: But I remember even before the the the, the um in pregnancy part. I remember there being like a lot of like legal negotiation.
0: It, it was like a huge mess of bureaucracy in order to get to the place where like I'm even allowed to do this because surrogacy agencies have like a lot of like strict requirements for who they'll work with. Um, I think for liability reasons, like you have to like be younger than a certain age and you have to be below a certain weight and uh, you have to have given birth before and all of this, which I think is just like anything that makes you like a potentially high risk pr- pregnancy puts you like right out and anything where they're worried you might like get too, I don't know, emotionally attached to the child and not want to like actually mm-hmm. give it away at, we you know mm-hmm. when you're done. Mm-hmm. So like, they're like really minimizing risk there, but that made it awkward for me because this is my first time giving birth. Um, I don't like plan to have kids of my own. I'm like pretty hyped to be able to do just the pregnancy and childbirth part and then not do the child raising part. Uh, but I can't convince a surrogacy agency of that.
1: So this is the this is the part you look forward to, and the rest of it is like, no thanks.
0: Yeah, like I, mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I like kids fine, but having to deal with one every day sounds like it would get exhausting.
1: And how has pregnancy been? Like has it has it lived up to your dreams?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it's like it's not been like a a fun experience per se. Like I I've had symptoms did you know that pregnancy gives you symptoms
1: oh i've, I've heard, heard of so do i yeah yeah
0: <laughs> it's just like a, a grab bag of like thousands of things that could happen to you during pregnancy and they're all 100 normal but like you're just going to get a random i don't know like 20 of those assigned to you good luck so like i don't know i had really bad heartburn which made it like hard to eat and sleep um but eventually was addressed with medication i also had literacy uh i've like had a really hard time finishing a book for the past several years and i've read like a bunch while i was pregnant
2: but i've not heard of that one before
0: yeah i don't know what that's about but i'm i'm happy about it but yeah like i don't know that it's been like a fun experience but it's cool in the same way that like hiking up a mountain is cool
1: mm. oh right sure. like It's
0: hard and parts of it kind of suck, but then at the end you're like, shit, I climbed a mountain. That's true. And there's also like an aspect of it, like, I don't know if you get this feeling, like if you go to like an ancient cathedral or you're walking on like an old pilgrimage trail or whatever. And you're like, as you're doing this, you're like, wow, people have been doing this for a thousand years before me. (laughs) Like, that's always a cool kind of feeling, like this connection of like. I don't know, the humanity of it, right?
2: A, a nice visceral reminder that you are you are part of a long chain of humans.
0: Right. So, I don't know. that That's kind of what I'm getting out of it.
2: And
1: monkeys.
0: Yes. People have been doing birth for longer than there have been people, so.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. I'm not <laughs> sure that works. The math works out there.
0: <laughs> Which came first, the people or the birth?
1: Well, definitely the birth. Yes. Okay, fair. <laughs> But yeah, I, I see what you're. I see what you're. Where you're coming from there. It's 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 an old practice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and much like much like living at all, it puts you in a the context of a lot of weird shit from history.
0: It's like neat to know what this thing feels like from the inside. Like there's a lot of experiences that like I'm never going to be able to have that humans have had, but this one I can try out and be like, wow, this is wacky. This is a thing people do. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's really. I don't know. Not everybody has my specific set of psychological problems, Mm -hmm. but I do think it's really useful to work to place yourself in the context of humanity at large Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and life at large.
0: Yeah. It just gives you like a bigger sense of perspective.
1: Uh, Specifically, this is good for me for like addressing fear of death because if you start like empathizing, you're shifting the balance away from the individual and towards, like, you are part of a whole, part right. of, of the teeming masses, or even part of a lineage, mm-hmm. then an individual death seems a lot less important. Hmm. Even if it's your own?
0: It, well, okay, that, that one still seems important, but <laughs> less so, you know? There will still be somebody around perceiving and having life experiences, even if I, in particular, am not.
1: Yes, and there's a comfort in that. Yeah. Always looking for tips and tricks for for dealing with fear of death.
0: <laughs> it's a tough have, one.
2: Have you considered inviting some dead people onto the show and get their perspective? I mean, they'd probably have some really
1: great insights. Maybe it's awesome. Yeah. I I have um there's a guy I follow on Mastodon who is like not I wouldn't say constantly but like periodically is like talking about it, like dwelling on his own death, uh-huh. and like asking about how how do I cope with this? Most recently, he asked for uh people should make more pro-death art to make me feel better about death.
0: <laughs> I mean, like I think I think that exists. Yeah, I don't, like I'm not sure exactly where to look for it because I don't seek it out. But I'm pretty sure there's like a a bunch of people doing that.
1: Yeah, like I. But I'm I'm trying to think of. Uh, like, what would be the context for pro-death art that's not also, like, anti-life? Because I'm also, I'm I'm extremely pro-life in the sense of, like, like, you know, in the literal sense.
0: Sure. I think most of the stuff that I've seen that's, like, pro-death but also pro-life is, like, I don't know, like, pictures of, like, a skeleton with, like, flowers and mushrooms growing up through the bones or whatever, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, a, an acceptance of death but also a celebration of life.
1: Like, we are of the universe – and right. re- return to the universe and, and nurture it. Yeah. I was trying there to been- explain that to Winston like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, but I'm not going to die. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to try to argue with you here, buddy.
2: This is this is not the time.
0: Good, good luck on that, kiddo. I, I'm rooting for you. Yeah. There's um. There's also a song that I recently heard, actually. Uh, a friend of mine is really into this song and arranged it for the choir I'm in. Um, it's called Song Stays Sung by Zoe Mulford. And, Uh like, the whole song is about, like, okay, even, like, after the song ends, it has been sung, and, like, that's an unchangeable fact of the universe now, which I think is, like, a nice perspective Hmm. to take on death. That's a good message.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I do, like, this has also come up on the show before, but, like, on on an intellectual level, like, obviously I perceive time going forward like everybody does. But on intellectual level, I I think of space-time as, like, a sculpture that has always existed and will always exist if and, and and maybe your perspective on it could be something like you know uh since you can't visualize this you could visualize like okay here's here's a space and then time is like the like a movie scrub bar at the at the bottom of the screen yeah
0: sometimes i think about it like that
1: We can go forward and back and like observe all the little things that happened and yes that that actually i, th- I think this was an episode title it it is beautiful that we once existed
2: ooh i may have been on that episode in fact i once swear to it you have the list somewhere.
1: Yeah, somewhere. Yeah.
2: If we're talking about songs to help you deal with death. There's another song called "Dumb Ways to Die," which uh, <laughs> that one's good. A great one to just just as a cautionary tale, like don't do it this way. There's probably better ways. Hmm. But my real recommendation there there's a book um, which came to mind immediately called uh, called "Sum," which is forty tales of the afterlives. You're familiar with that one? Yeah. I don't know. It it, it it's great. I, I I do sincerely recommend that one. It is like forty like page and a half little stories about various takes on the afterlife. And each, each one I, I would, re, you could, you could burn through the whole book in like 20 minutes if you really wanted to, but each one I would like, I read it. I I had to close the book and sit and go, Oh yeah, that was good. And, and it, it really thought provoking stuff and not, not at all depressing. Cool. So Check that one out.
1: <laughs> I Yeah. It's, it's hard for me to recommend. I mean, I, I've also read takes on the afterlife that I found very beautiful, but also like it's hard I can't take comfort in that personally and it's hard for me to like in good conscience recommend that as a way to take comfort
2: um I mean I uh, to be clear like this is this is not like a a a religious text at all it's like 40 thought experiments on what something something weird that could happen after after you die and and isn't it is it's, it's more science fictiony almost than than anything else and it's like 40 neat little yeah mini bite-sized sci-fi tales of
1: my favorite one of that sort of in that genre was is called the egg. Um, and it's by oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the author, but it's the same guy who wrote The Martian. Andy Ware? That's it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I recommend seeking that out. It's a short story. Very very much in the, you know, sci-fi-ish take takes on what the afterlife could be vain. Mm-hmm. Well, we, so yeah, we covered birth and death in the same time. Yeah, I was going to say, we, 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 yeah, we,
2: how long did it take us to go from the miracle of birth the
1: to
0: the,
2: the grim endlessness of the void? Right, let's talk about middle age now.
1: <laughs> I'm 44. Oh,
2: everything hurts all the time.
1: It's oh, I, so bad. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm not looking sure. forward to the it. Here goes, Gray. I am definitely graying. I I look at photos of myself from like 5 years ago and I'm like, "Oh shit. This is mm-hmm. this <laughs> if this trend continues." Oh.
0: It's funny somebody um on Facebook recently posted like a picture of like uh, me when I was like 5 with some other family members and Somebody commented, "Like, oh my god, her face looks exactly the same." And I am looking at it. I am like, "That is a, that is a child. I do not look like that anymore." <laughs> like, there is there is a resemblance. The, the, but
1: her face is recognized. She is recognizably the same person. Yeah,
0: I, I don't look that young. The age has happened.
1: Yeah, uh, that's another. That's another take on death. Is that we we change constantly? What's one more change? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. it's kind of a big change but I mean yeah let's do that change yeah but like you know
1: haven't you ever like gone into the bathroom and laid on the floor and like and then like come to a major philosophical change in your life
0: sure but not one that like caused me to cease having conscious experience
1: I am choosing to no no longer have conscious experience mom
0: (laughs) you can't make me from
1: from this
2: pool of vomit on
1: my bathroom (laughs) floor I declare you wouldn't understand, Mom. This is a 90s kids <laughs> thing, Mom. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Court, uh, your topic is Dogma95 for web development. Uh, okay, how yeah. I, how did I do on that pronunciation?
2: I, I'm not sure. It's 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 Danish. I know that much. Um, I don't think it's me. What I know about Danish is that you D- – Danes themselves have described it as it, like Swedish with a mouth of potatoes. So I imagine it's like dolma.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Um
2: But whatever, we'll go with it. Um, And I'm not even sure it's the right analogy to draw here. But this is just something like so just just so that the title of that makes any sense. Like Dogma 95 is a a manifesto uh, from the year 1995, I believe, uh, by a couple of Danish film directors about, uh, I guess, just really radical simplicity and austerity in filmmaking. And I, I can't even remember too many details about it but it's like you you can't use artificial lighting you can't use artificial sound effects or or like non-diagetic diegetic diegetic, one of those music that is not naturally occurring you know while you're filming um no act and it must be actors but like no no characters yeah no
1: actors nothing nothing out of the current time
2: the the camera must be handheld it's very strict and and just very very about simplicity and getting back to the, the 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 raw nature of of filming stories and um what, what, what was really on my mind whether or not that whether or not it's that it's it's like as 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 the technology and the web sort of and itself around us and and the web becomes uh these these walled gardens of giant companies owning enormous complex websites that you need enormous complex web browsers to access and that's that's the only way to get to the world's information like it doesn't need to be that way right like it, it it's ultimately just a protocol for exchanging information on a computer. And we can do that any number of other ways that are not web three. Um, I bet, you know, a college student over 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 the weekend could come up with some very simple something on the scale of web 1.0 these days and and just do it on a new port, put out some new new browser-like thing, maybe fix some of the mistakes along the way and 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 then and then and then it's free again, and then and then we have another chance not to fuck it up. <laughs> and, and and that got me wondering, like, what would if, if if we did decide to just rewind and reboot to a, a kinder, simpler web? What what would we keep and what would we what would we toss?
1: I think we should just go back to Gopher.
2: Yeah, that yeah, we could we could go we could all just go back to Gopher and Telnet and and uh, do it the hard way. I never used Gopher. I I know that like Gopher is the the granddaddy of the web, but I I don't I don't know much else about it besides that. Like, did it have hypertext and? linkability or was it more like here's a list of stuff
1: it definitely had gosh i i used gopher but i i can't be certain that it had i'm pretty sure it had hypertext and linkability okay so now that i think about it like it felt a lot more rigid in terms of um what you could do with uh with a page but mm-hmm. i actually don't know what the what the constraints were
2: mm-hmm. like how how far back would you have to go to still be useful to a significant chunk of the population, but avoid, you know, this waves hands generally
0: situation. Yeah. I feel like one of the like really nice things about the like earlier internet was that you had a lot more like, I don't know, autonomy, personal control over Hmm. the platform you were using, I guess. I'm not sure how to like, like, I don't know. I was like 10, but you weren't like going to some like central gathering place as much as like, something more i don't know yeah, like yeah. Distributed or personal maybe
1: I, I do think that like if what we want to go back to is what the web was then the answer to that is to pare down the web to that i think that's the simplest way to do it like i think it would be interesting to just remove the interactability of it mm-hmm. so are you like no no javascript right and no cgi bin okay <laughs>
0: that's... everything is plain text static pages uh messaging boards is that too far? Like, I don't know This this
2: is where it gets it gets weird. Like, yeah, do do you want
1: so that all that removes the possibility of like web forums? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Can't do that. Can't do any any like the, the web as a platform for interactive content at all. Isn't a thing anymore. It's it's purely
1: yeah. So purely I think I think it's probably worth conf- worth considering like how much of this is tech, how much of this is like well, the problem is that the way people make websites now is that they're just an application that happens to run in JavaScript and render to the DOM hmm. mm-hmm. um, as opposed to it's a collection of paid pages that have some interactivity to them.
2: And it's generally not like some person with a Linux box under their desk hosting their personal website. It's, it's a data center
1: somewhere. Right. That's interesting. Do you, do you think, Server co location should be destroyed. Like, do you think if you want to run a website, you have to run a computer at in your house? Is a Raspberry Pi
0: okay? It sounds extreme. If the
2: whole goal was
1: decentralization and, and, yeah. right. so like,
0: there are, there are, th- like, appealing features to that.
1: Yeah. I, I like the idea of like, like, your server can't be more powerful than a Raspberry Pi. Mm hmm. <laughs> you, you definitely couldn't run twitter or facebook on a raspberry pi right
2: right well that that's two strong points in, in in the favor of this proposal already so i, I like where <laughs> we're
1: going with this right because the other thing aside from like um websites requiring ridiculous computers to, to show basic things is that is the centralization aspect which is to say that you don't see thousands of individual people running their own personal like i'm i'm running a, a fan site of like what, what, what would even people even run a fan site <laughs> of like a specific species of ants yeah. like here's my <laughs> here, here's the six
2: digital photos i could find of something online i'm gonna put them all in one page yeah. and now right, it's a fan right.
1: site that's right yeah instead you, you create a I'm, I created the facebook group for my species of
0: ants now all the species of ant enthusiasts are here having arguments
1: Right. And and then Facebook changes the way posts are surfaced and then they're no longer friends.
0: And also they're selling you like weird ant products. <laughs> okay, I'm back in.
1: <laughs> I want the weird ant products. Or,
2: or or it was something as simple as like, uh, is the coffee pot down in the undergraduate lounge fresh or not? Or has the soda machine been restocked? And I can tell that from my desk by looking at a web page. You know, that, that that was the cool thing that was on the web in the in the mid nineties.
1: Yeah.
0: I remember when I was in high school, like the thing that I was like really excited about, about the internet was web comics. Yeah. I thought it was like so cool that anybody could just make art and put it on the internet and, you know, get a fan base and like be creative and sometimes even make a living off of it. And I feel like there was like this big explosion of that as an art form. And then since then it's been a lot less, like it's been harder to like, Find new web comics. I feel like fewer people are starting new web comics or maybe they're just doing it somewhere. I can't find them.
2: I, mean, I, I remember that same general enthusiasm in, in, in the game development world. Like, oh, now anyone can make a game. Yeah. You don't need to have a, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to license an engine and a deal with a publisher. Uh, you know, <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if anyone could do this? And then suddenly anyone could do it. And so everyone did. And we, we forgot to anticipate that that makes discoverability. Impossible. So, so right, maybe right. it's that lots of people are still making web comics, and there's it's just impossible to find it's just
1: them. It's hard to the find the good ones. Literally yeah. everything else. Right, right. You've got the uh, entrenched big names that everybody knows that were the ones that that were in on the ground floor.
0: Right.
1: Went back when it was new and exciting. Uh, and so the the solution is for the individual creator to figure out what the new exciting thing is and do that instead. Like, if you want to make comics, no, no, you're making. Bread making TikToks. <laughs>
0: Is that what people make now? I mean, there definitely are people doing that.
1: Yes, there... th- yeah, there's people do something on TikTok. Who knows? I'm I'm 44.
0: <laughs> I have a friend who sends me TikToks sometimes. They're all right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, short form videos. Yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes people do good stuff with them. Speaking of webcomics web comics from the
2: old days, they're still around. Like, uh, I mean, Penny Arcade, mm-hmm. literally has a comic today about uh, like prostate exams because they're right. not teenage gamers anymore. They're, 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 they're men in their forties. <laughs> and these are, these yeah. are the, the problems that are facing them. It's it's, it's the, the topical material they're dealing with.
0: Yeah. A number of the web comics that I, I still read have been going on for like a, a decade, a decade and a half more. Like it's just, you know, those are the ones that, that stuck around and there are some new ones that I read, but like you said, like it, the discoverability is hard to find when the internet is so big, like maybe the old internet was nice just because it was there were fewer people and it was easier to find everything. Maybe the solution is just everybody gets sorted into one of, you know, a thousand tiny internets. Oh, we, we shard the internet. I like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what forums are, basically. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the Topic Lords Discord. We sharded the internet into, like, people who are willing to send me money every week. <laughs> it turns out I like those people.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess this is something about uh, Discord that works for me, too.
2: Are are the webcomics that you read that have been around for 10, 15 years, like, have they cracked the code of being a successful business? Or is it a labor of love that someone has kept going for decades?
0: I have to assume that they've cracked the code of being a successful business, although I genuinely don't know how. But like, so like, the first example coming to mind is El Shive, which is like a comic it's like a kind of fantasy sci-fi comic about some kids in high school. They're still in high school. Time moves very slowly compared <laughs> to real time in the Alguna Shive universe. It's been kind of funny because, like, the approach to the characters has shifted drastically from, like, this kind of, like, I want to say crude humor, but not in the sense that it's, like, gross, but in the sense that it's just, like, not very sophisticated about, like, I don't know, like, anime hammers that you do when somebody's being a pervert or whatever at the, like the, <laughs> in the very earliest comics. To now this like person who has like a like a very like sophisticated understanding of like topics surrounding gender or whatever, trying to figure out like how to do, do I just like, con that out? How do I incorporate this into my world building and like having to like come up with this whole like justification for why this character can do that and would have done that, but it like it was a specific thing to their character rather than like a feature of the universe. And like as the author is like coming to I don't know, like personal revelations about like their own. I don't know, like, neurodivergence or gender situation. Like, they're doing it, like, through the characters and, like, from their, like, engagement with their audience. It's been a fascinating journey. But they never in there, like, in, on all the author notes where they're, like, talking about, like, you know, like, everybody, like, wrote in talking about, like, how maybe this one character is asexual and all of the things that, like, they brought up about that character are things that, like, I had put into that character from myself. So now I'm realizing maybe I'm asexual. Mm-hmm. like. They have these long author's notes that are like deep personal (laughs) explorations. They never talk about having any other job. Okay. (laughs) But I I, I don't know what they're selling. I don't know how they're making money off of this.
1: A lot of the time, this is like, uh, you know, funded by parents, funded by a spouse – they're just their trust fund kid
0: yeah like i mean it, it the great way to be a successful artist is to have a have wealthy family or or marry into somebody rich right
1: right right otherwise you just won't have the time to make the art or to yeah. get good at it
2: yeah I mean, maybe it's easy for me to say but uh, the think the production costs of a web comic can't be that high i mean i don't know what the what the uh the level of artistic uh talent on display is here but maybe it's just something or, or the frequency of is a daily comic is it a
0: it's like every weekday, I okay, think. Okay. Um, but I would guess that most of the expense is just like cost of living, but I guess I don't right. know where the author right. lives. So maybe they're somewhere very cheap or maybe they have like a Patreon or something. I don't know.
2: Sounds like it's worth looking into if you've been enjoying it for
1: 15 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they, they, they've earned a buck. Definitely.
1: Are there ads? Would you not know because there's you use ad block?
0: <laughs> I have an ad blocker. They're probably ads.
1: Uh, there's a... Uh... Cafe Press El Gunish Shive.
0: Oh, they do have merch, really. What's in the What's in their merch shop?
1: This is uh, looking at this uh, I'm just like completely lost <laughs> at, at what I don't even know what I'm looking at. Oh, I recognize this. This is a shirt saying "Read or the owl will eat you."
0: Oh yeah, I have that poster. Well,
1: there, there's your birthday wish list sorted now. You already gave this this person money.
0: This I got that poster back in high school. I had genuinely forgotten it was from this comic. <laughs> like I've had that poster forever.
1: Yeah. It's like a
0: background poster that shows up in one of the classrooms in the comic.
1: Right. I'm glad I was able to recognize something.
2: (laughs) I've never, I've never seen or heard of this before. Fascinating.
1: Oh, Dan Shive has a a Patreon and makes $3,700 a month.
0: Shit. That's pretty solid.
1: Yeah. It's a living
2: somewhere that isn't
1: the bay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, they probably get 60% of that, actually, but. Mm -hmm. You can you can live on that in some places.
0: For sure.
2: Especially if it's a side hustle. Yep. But that's it. Forget programming. I'm going to make a webcomic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to it. Yeah. Your kids are old enough to, to take care of themselves. Absolutely. Mm-mm. They'll understand.
2: He has eating mac and cheese every night. Good that's, news.
1: i <laughs> love that, I'd, right? I'd be a hero. No, no. I'm, I, I was thinking they would have to get their own mac and cheese. Oh, oh
2: and, and you're making it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you're buying it. With with your new job that you're yeah, gonna get, because because I'm making web comics. I put them to work on the web
2: comic. That's the, that's the family history. My my wife was put to work by her parents on and their animation studio as a as an in betweener or or something when she was like ten. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. It it was only legal because she was family.
0: Wow. Carry on the family tradition. Yeah.
2: That that, that that's what kids are for.
1: Free labor. Are we ready for another topic?
0: Sure. Sure.
1: My topic is visits from the neighborhood cats. So uh, we just moved in with my mom, and which means mm-hmm. we merged our cats. So now we have four Into cats. Into one cat. That's right. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> I shouldn't exist. Uh, we had, we now have four cats in the same house. Three of them are doing okay. One of them, I think, was sick for a while and is still scared. Yeah, everything. she was saying
0: that, that one of her cats is having like allergic bronchitis or something. I was like, that sounds bad.
1: Yeah yeah even the even the um, the more timid of our cats is now hanging out with other cats and it's nice. Cool oh. And there are lots of cats in the neighborhood that we see as we're walking around. Uh, but one thing that's been happening recently is this one like fluffy black and white cat has been like hanging out in our backyard, which is pretty a pretty private backyard. It's very fenced off, so it's weird to see things in it. But, like, this cat has been hanging out in our backyard and, like, coming up to the sliding glass door and just checking it out. Like, in the same Where's way – the the cats in there. Yeah. In the same way that a cat will just, like, hang out on the windowsill to, to, to see what's in – see what's out there. And more than once, like, my – and because my desk is right next to the sliding glass door, like, I see this happen every time. Like, oh, one of the cats will, will do the opposite. They're going to, like, they're going to come out. Let's see what's in the backyard. I bet it's something cool. And – then they'll realize, oh shit, there's another cat back there and <laughs> either like freak out and run away or just sit there and, and kind of yowl for a few <laughs> minutes.
0: I need to express my feelings about this other cat.
1: Yeah. It's been uh it's been an experience for everybody.
2: Oh, this sounds magical and I'm jealous. We, we, we do not have neighborhood cats in our neighborhood. We have, we have neighborhood coyotes who walk around by light of day without, uh, yeah. without a care in the world so when i when i do see neighborhood cats um you fear for them i no i i i see pieces of neighborhood cats that the oh, neighborhood no. coyotes have left behind that, that that has happened to me multiple uh, times
0: oh
1: you don't need to fear for them anymore
2: no no there's no fear anymore um
0: beyond the reach of i
2: i i, I would not I, I would not bring an outdoor cat into into this part of the city we, we do though have uh, i think as leslie mentioned a few episodes back we do have uh local eccentric humans who will wander into your yard and peek into your windows. Oh yeah. Uh and and they they are tolerated to various degrees. Window peering Jim. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's harmless. Give the guy a break. He's <laughs> just checking out your remodel. Does meow? Yeah, you know. <laughs> he does not <laughs> meow at the at the cats and yes.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be pretty good. I could I could be that guy. I could be the guy who like walks up <laughs> to your window and is like cupping cupping my hands around my eyes <laughs> and then looking for your cat. Like, oh, that's yeah. a good that's a good one. Nice coloration. And you then meowing at it.
2: A, leave her a yeah. report card, move on <laughs> yeah. to the next yard. that, right. that could be your uh, your next life.
1: That's right. Yeah. I was a web developer for about ten years, been a game developer for about ten years. Now,
2: now I mostly rate cats.
1: Next next ten years I could I could be the guy who pee, peers in your window and rates your cat. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know? Hoping to get a good grade from the neighborhood cat raider next time they come around.
1: Oh yeah, that's uh that's think that's a mechanic in animal crossing <laughs> do,
2: do, the, do these cats that visit you like do, do they seem like the sort of cats who would who would hang out if you went out to say hello to them or would they be gone
1: i haven't really tried but some of them do seem friendly. you know what yeah we've we've, we've definitely we've definitely scratched a couple of them there are there are some that like you know they do the belly flop when when they see oh you. yeah
0: that that's a sign yeah it's an invitation
1: most it is. Most of the time, when um, when I see these cats, though, I am walking Winston to school, and we have places to be. Ah, mm, no time for love. That's right.
2: I, I guess cats. something you can do if you have an outdoor cat these days is you can stick electronics on them, like like a GPS tracker yeah. or, or GoPro. And that friend,
0: a friend of mine has that.
2: If if I didn't, if I if I wouldn't fear. For their lives, and worry that what I would get is like a live stream of their gruesome demise. <laughs> I would love to do that. Just set a cat out and see see what they get that, up to. I,
1: I wouldn't need to peer in your window if I put a GoPro <laughs> on your cat's head.
0: No. <laughs> Could peer through the cat's eyes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, it's just live streaming everything in your house. <laughs>
0: Uh, the- is scratching at the, the door to the bathroom to be let in. Yeah, you finally yeah. give and it's got the little GoPro on its head.
1: Uh, even better would be if you put the GoPro on its paw and it was like reaching the paw under the door. <laughs> uh, we
2: we moved uh, a town over when I was young and and uh, one of our cats who moved with us uh, mm. ran away after a while. And we mm. half-heartedly put up some signs and nothing came of it. And, and we eventually just just agreed to stop talking about it. And then like nine months later, the people who had moved into the old house contacted us and were like, Hey, there's this cat wandering around the premises and (laughs) seems to want to come in. And when we opened the door and he just, he walked right in, like he knew the place, like, was he here when you were here? I was like, yeah that, that's our cat oh My God! <laughs>
0: wow
2: he somehow survived a new england winter crossed a freeway and found his way oh home like 15 miles away and, and, and I, Homeward man, bound. I, i've never wanted to have a cat who i could talk to more than that one like what what did you see what did you do yeah and, and can i have the film rights because i'm sure it was amazing
0: yeah i'd read that book yeah my my friend who lives across the street um has a cat like It's not actually her cat, but she's like, she is the one caring for this cat for the foreseeable while the cat's actual owner is dealing with, I think, some sort of immigration situation or something. But this cat had had to put a GPS on him because he's supposed to be an indoor cat, but he refuses Mm. um, and he's constantly escaping. So now they, they have a way to track him down when he goes walkabout.
2: Sometimes you find that the cat has a second family that you don't know about. They spend all their time they in other house. They're cheating on you. They get fed, yeah. Two
0: timing cat.
2: They come home wearing a different collar with a different <laughs> name on it. And it all comes There's out thing at once. On their
0: neck.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about. I didn't actually watch this documentary, but hearing about this documentary, where they they put cameras on the cats, all the cats in a neighborhood, and it turns mm-hmm. out that every single one of them would like sneak into other cats' houses and eat their food.
0: <laughs> I do not. I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah, we, we've got a little bit of that action happening here. Like, I, I when I whenever I go to to feed our cats, mom's cat Bruce just comes in, like, "Oh yeah, you got food for me? It's, it's, <laughs> this is for me, right?"
0: Oh, that she one got to too. got like a microchip feeder, right?
1: Yes, but not for our cats' food. Mm-hmm. That's only for those two cats. We, I mean, we actually. <laughs> oh no! She actually did buy it. We just haven't set it up yet. Okay. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, For this topic, we're going to be doing this poem, Potato, by Jane Kenyon. Jane Kenyon. Who would like to read this poem? You put it
2: in the bucket however long ago.
1: I, I think I did. I hope I did. I don't want to be stealing somebody's thunder. All right. In haste one evening while making dinner, I threw away a potato that was spoiled on one end. The rest would have been redeemable. In the yellow garbage pail, it became the consort of coffee grounds, banana skins, carrot peelings. I pitched it onto the compost where steaming scraps and leaves return, like bodies over time, to earth. When I flipped the fetid layers with a hay fork to air the pile, the potato turned up unfailingly as if to revile me, looking plumper, firmer, resurrected instead of disassembling. It seemed to grow until I might have made shepherd's pie for a whole hamlet, people who passed the day dropping trees, pumping gas, pinning hand-me-down clothes on the line. There we go, this is a pro-death poem right here.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that potato is. Like
1: this potato has an afterlife of humiliating the author. I was going to say that this <laughs> potato sounds like a zombie. That's right. Like
2: you, you bury the thing, but it, it just comes back bigger and stronger than before.
0: It, it wasn't dead. It was just sick. And it, sure she put it in a place full of nourishment.
2: Mm-hmm. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. That that <laughs> first double line break that, you know, the, the listeners can see clear as day on their podcast mm-hmm. kind of threw me. Like that that looks like a, an error. I mean, who, who am I to say? Yeah, I'm not sure why. But it's in the middle of us. It's between the words been and redeemable.
1: Yeah, no I actually, I didn't, I didn't really, I kind of ignored the line breaks while I was reading it as if I just read it as if it was prose. I don't know if that's like disrespecting the poem. Have, haven't we
2: come to the consensus that the line breaks are what
1: makes it poetry? Yes, but, but do, do you, do you have to respect them while reciting it? Mm hmm I do it does look like it's a mistake but also who knows it's poetry yeah I feel like if I if I was a, a better and it's been, it's been over a year since I, I started doing this segment in order to become a better uh understander of poems but if I were if, if that had worked and I was a better understander of poems I would probably be able to come up with some theories for like why that line break is there and and determine how plausible they are as like the, the as as the author's intent mm-hmm. But no.
0: yeah, I feel like when I see a line break like that, I imagine it—it's like corresponding in some way to some either like conceptual boundary or to like a, a dramatic pause in how you would say it. But like here, like the fact that the end, the fact that the sentence ends with the word redeem, redeemable is not like a surprise, really. Like mm-hmm. the the first two sentences are like setting up. Like, yeah, the potato was was fine. It was spoiled on one end. The rest would have been fine.
2: Yeah. And it will be fine
1: again.
0: So it's weird that they like have this pause before exactly what you were expecting.
1: Maybe it was just the word choice "redeemable." Maybe it, maybe this pause represents the author's difficulty in coming up with the right word.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Maybe
1: it's like writer's block
2: codified onto the page.
1: Yeah, or just like you know, I'm 44 years old. Sometimes I have a hard time thinking of words. That that also happened when in my in my 20s. So I don't think that's an <laughs> age thing.
2: A <laughs> there, there's a poem I I, I keep. Not wanted to propose because it's very long, but it's called the story of Mel, a real programmer. Do either of you know that one? Oh yeah. Okay, so the, the the story behind that one, and the, the reason I mention it now is is because like it, it started off as just like a prose story that someone wrote, and then it got right. forwarded around the old internet, and after enough you know uh, left angle brackets got got added to the side, the formatting all got messed up until the point where it looked like a free form poetry po- poem rather, and 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 that's how it's it's remembered now as, as like an epic poem.
1: That's pretty good. Accidental poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah. The story of Mel, I think, would be an interesting discussion, but probably too long for yeah, this segment. That be, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, we'll end the digression there.
0: On the idea of accidental poetry, though, there's a, a thing on Tumblr that is, is kind of a, a fun exchange when it happens, where people have a, a like a, a thing where somebody makes a post and then somebody else makes a blackout poem of that post. And then you get just like this whole reblog chain that's different blackout poems based on the same tumblr post and i don't know they're, they're entertaining it feels like
2: a uh is it is it plato's elephant is that yeah yeah it's like all the different reconstructs the original post from 12 different poems oh yeah, yeah. Blackout poems that'd be fun exercise my other reaction to this one was that it's it, it felt like at the end of the poem she realized she was three lines into some other poem entirely and decided to just stop <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I was, whoops I'm, a, I'm off on a tangent
2: yes this gives me a great idea for a poem about people in a village, but it's not potatoes. We're going to stop the potato poem right here. Uh,
1: I dropped this tree again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's also funny because like the idea of like, I might have made shepherd's pie for a whole hamlet is like a very like quaint, like cottage core, like kind of pastoral historical feeling. Um, and then like the, one of the things that she lists is people who pass the day dropping trees or pumping gas, which is like not at all in the like historical pastoral cottagecore aesthetic space.
1: Yeah. Well, this person's youth was like in the 50s.
0: I guess. Did they have hamlets in the 50s?
1: Maybe th- maybe she means yeah, who knows. <laughs> Do they have hamlets now?
2: It's a very specific uh I don't want to say fantasy, but, but fantasy to, to have about about a huge potato. Like, man, I could turn that into such a, such a damn good shepherd's pie.
1: For a Hamlet. Yeah.
2: Th- think of all the, 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 the manual laborers who would enjoy that shepherd's pie.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking of, and this might be just in my head, I'm thinking of a shot, like an establishing shot. In Back to the Future, like establishing that it is in the 50s now of like Uh someone like a a gas station attendant pumping somebody's gas or like, like, so not pumping your own gas, but an employee like pumping somebody else's gas.
2: There's still parts of the of of the union where we do that, aren't there? Do they they finally uh, pick Cave?
1: I think New Jersey still does it, right? A hamlet is just a city in New Jersey. Okay, there we go. (laughs)
0: They've got they've got lumberjacks, they've got laundresses, and they've got the, the people who pump your gas. Yeah, right. Yes,
2: and they
1: love shepherd's
2: pie.
0: All of them.
1: <laughs> are we ready for another topic? Yes. Uh, Court, your topic is cooperative board games are hard to design.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't have a ton to say here, but I'll I'll, I'll throw the question to the group then. I, I, this is mainly out of my frustration with playing uh, cooperative board games with 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 folks because I I don't want to throw my family under the bus, but <laughs> they 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 they're not into co- competitive games, and that's fine. I I I, I, lo- I love me some cooperation, but I feel like the cooperative games that we play tend to fall into a couple of patterns that kind of ruin the cooperative element of it. Like either like one dominant player pretty much ends up playing the game solo, and everyone else is like an instrument of their will. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Or to avoid that problem, you end up with just a, a an infuriatingly complex game that. You know, the idea is well. No, no one person can keep all this in their head, even with perfect information and perfect cooperation. And you know that that has its own problems. I'm I'm wondering if there's if there's a middle ground somewhere where 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 cooperation can be fun.
0: Have you played Hanabi?
2: Hanabi. That's that's with the
1: fireworks on your forehead.
0: Yeah, that one's like cooperative, and I don't think it falls into either of those categories. Okay, okay. that's that's a great point.
1: I mean, a lot of these games have rules about information sharing that are specifically there to address. Everybody yeah,
0: ignores those. Yes.
1: Yeah. But if you follow the rules.
0: (laughs) People are going to play by the rules.
1: I mean, that is actually a problem with cooperative games in general. That like if you're playing competitively and you're looking for any edge, probably everybody's going to the manual to like make sure the other players move is legal and -hmm. reviewing things more carefully to, to look for a competitive edge. But like if you're playing cooperatively, like a lot of the time there's no incentive or less incentive to do that.
2: Yeah. So, so if someone fudges a die roll here and there, you go, eh, it's more fun that way.
1: Yeah, or or even like just you just played the whole game, misunderstanding a couple oh, of yeah. rules, and it like in your favor, and it doesn't matter.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not going to argue about it. We're just going to go, oh well, we did that wrong. Uh, no, you're right. Hanabi is a good example. Um, and that reminded me of one called the uh, the Mind. I don't know it. It's it's a it's a it's a delightfully simple game. Uh, it has it's a deck of hundred cards numbered one to one hundred, and then some other stuff that we're not going to that we're not going to worry about,
1: and wait so the the are the cards are they cards just the numbers one to a hundred pretty much yes
2: and the way it works is on on the first round you play with four like four players is, is is the right number uh you each get one card and then everyone has to stop talking and you have to play the card you have to play the cards one at a time in ascending numeric order without overtly communicating with each other and if you do that successfully then you shuffle them again and you get two cards and you do it again
1: that's interesting when
2: when it when it works and and you you get synchronized, and you're able to like just start intuiting like, oh, there's been like a three second pause here, but not a four second pause. Now, now is my time to play my card. Like uh, you, you, you get. I, th- I think it goes all the way up to like I want to say round seven or round eight. Like to the point where like the, the expected gap between cards is only a few digits. And and when it works, it feels so amazing. Um, but it, it doesn't follow any of those problems. Like, it, it is a very simple game. I guess it does require you to actually follow the rules of not sharing what you have, because it would be trivial otherwise. But but it's a very enjoyable, cooperative experience.
1: Yeah, that does sound pretty good. It made me think of a, a game that I made for Siftio. Do you know the platform Siftio? No. Siftio... And also for the listeners, um, is a platform, like a, a computer game platform. I, I don't know what you call it. A video game platform the, composed of a number of, of little, like two, two inch by two inch by one inch cubes, not cubes, but, but, but little screens. And you can move them around relative to each other and touch their, their sides together. And I, I um, think I do remember this. Uh, there, you can also like one of the inputs is touching the screen. And they also have accelerometer input, so you can shake them. And I found this to be a very interesting platform for for game development. And I did a game jam at one point where I made a game called The Yelling Game, which, and the way, what it does is it's very simple. Each player gets one screen and each player is shown an, a symbol, like, or an icon of some kind. And then you have a, a dedicated period of yelling where you all describe to each other what you saw. And then there's a period where you're supposed to, the players, uh, the players with same images that are supposed to touch, touch their cubes together. When you say a period of yelling, do you mean like ar- articulate yelling or just? Well, that's up to the pl- that's player de- defined. That's okay. player in- player enforced. Like
2: yelling with purpose or just noise making?
1: My intent was the free people to yell. Like I saw some squiggly lines. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that, I thought that would work. Okay. So so what's the common thread here? Because like all like they, there's that that that's three good examples.
1: Well the thing about the yelling game is that it is not a board game. Okay. There is a, there's a but computer it, and I think it, that's it. Important. could
2: be with a bit of a stretch. Couldn't it?
1: Could Do you think so? Like, I don't yeah, know. like you could draw you cards. The me. Well, okay. So, so the game explicitly will, will try to give pairs to, um to the players and which isn't always possible if there's an odd number of players, in which case there's somebody left out, but I don't think you could easily do that with a deck of cards.
0: My last thought on the topic before my headphone died was, I recently played a cooperative trick-taking t- game, which was kind of cool. Ooh, what's that one? I don't remember what it's called. It was space-themed. Oh. Um, and the idea is like you're going on like space missions, and you have like specific like types of like I guess trick you're trying to set up so that you can all succeed on your space mission. And that was kind of neat.
2: That does sound awesome. That reminds me of um, Space Team, which is a, an incredibly
1: oh yeah, yeah I love successful,
2: space very simple cooperative game that works. And, and i wonder if there's like a got like, like a time pressure element that needs to be present like
1: yeah there's a there's a card game version of space team and i wonder if it's any good
2: i haven't
0: mm. tried it I'm curious
2: space team was really good it, it's it's one of the oldest apps on my phone i think that I, that I still keep around because it's it's just so handy to have when when the right group manifests itself and you need something to do for 10 minutes
1: yeah i think the 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 time pressure aspect of it does uh, preclude one person choosing everybody's move yes
0: also so in space team, some... there's like uh, information asymmetry. Like you don't all know what everybody else is seeing and that's like enforced in a way that like you can't really do it in pandemic.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. I think that that that's probably an important aspect, uh, an important common thread here is like you really do enforce the the information asymmetry.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: if, if you're just playing a game where everyone has a hand and you all show each other your hand and decide what to do then.
0: Right. So I'm not I'm not sure how they would do it in this a space team. Board game or card game? Um, I'm curious. You might
2: just have to agree to keep your hand to yourself,
0: hmm.
2: or, or there's just isn't time to look at everyone's.
1: Yeah, I think the time the time pressure thing is huge.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to imagine like what wh- what makes cooperation fun in, in the re- in the real world or another another medium that, that we can't seem to capture in board games so easily. But I guess cooperation in the real world can also be frustrating and, and painful. <laughs> it's so true. Maybe that's yeah, not definitely to, to approach. Well, I'm happy to have found and remembered some counter examples. So. <laughs> My work here is done.
1: Uh, are you ready for another topic then?
0: All right. Sure.
1: then your topic is building a conlang generator. I'm so glad we got to this one. <laughs> building a conlang generator from the phonology up.
0: Yeah. I have a number of friends who are like hobbyist writers. They like write fanfic um, and that sort of thing. Original stories just for fun. And a number of times I've had people come up and ask me like, if I if I want to make a conlang, but I don't want to have to like, Put a lot of work into it, or I don't know much about linguistics. Like, how do I, I like, come up with like a series of like place names, or you know, names for people or whatever that sound cohesive, like, like, a sound like they're all from the same culture, and like, have been asked this question enough that I had like a step by step, like, okay, so like first you want to like pick a phonemic inventory. This is like the sounds that are going to exist in your language, um, and then you want to come up with some rules for like how those sounds are allowed to combine into a syllable and then you can start generating syllables and you can like stick your syllables together and at that point like you can probably do things like having place names or naming people and it'll mostly work if you want to go a little bit further you could like assign some of those like syllables or syllable groups to like to be a, m- a morpheme or like okay this suffix is going to mean like uh the, it's a patronymic suffix that you would put on the end of somebody's name or this is a, like a a locative suffix that you would use for towns or whatever. And like at that point, you can start like having patterns show up that people are going to be able to recognize. And like I've explained this like enough times that I was like, man, this really isn't that complicated. Surely there's like a website or something you can go to and just click a button and it will generate you a random conlang. But I haven't been able to find such a website. I found like random name generators that sort of do the thing, but Not really. And that's the closest I've found. I kind of decided like, I don't know, like a week ago, like, okay, I'm going to try to just build this myself because clearly people are interested in it. Um, I haven't gotten very far yet. Like so far, pretty much all I've been spending my time on is like, okay, I'm going to take every character in the international phonetic alphabet and like write down all of its like phonetic features so that you can filter on that when you're doing phonotactics. But like... I don't know. I have, I have grand plans for how this thing could be expanded.
2: Hmm. I'm certainly not aware of anything specifically like that. It's a fascinating idea. I, yeah. I, 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 I hate to hear myself say this, but it, it does feel like the sort of thing that you, you'd, you'd throw an AI at <laughs> like here, here's, here, here's a vague sketch of something. So Fill actually in the this, details
0: this, this happened on okay. Wednesday. I was over um, co-working with some other people I know. And one of them um, works at Anthropic, uh, which is like a, an AI company. And was like, all right, so like what if we just ask Claude, the AI, and like, I don't know, Claude had like some useful contributions in that like like saved me definitely some like data entry in terms of getting all of the features of my vowel. Like once I was like, okay, I want to have this set of characters and list out these features, I was able to be like, all right, give me in this particular code format, like all the phonetic features of this set of characters and the AI just knew how to do that, so that was handy. But I, I did not go the extra step of being like, "Can you just build the whole damn conline generator for me?" Maybe I should have tried.
2: I mean, I, I can imagine that it would be really good at interpolating, you know, the obvious things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but less good at the intuitive leaps of, and and here's how this thing you have to Skishin at all would work in in, a, in an interesting and and alien way.
0: Yeah, I actually the thing that I ended up spending the most time talking to this AI about was, um, I so like one of the things I decided I wanted to incorporate into the generator is um, uh, the sonority hierarchy for building syllables. It's like almost all languages obey this pattern and the ones that don't like kind of have a, a specific reason that they don't, like some older form of the language did and then there was some weird systematic change that happened that cause there to be violations. But like the idea is that there are certain sounds that are like more conducive to being the nucleus of a syllable, vowels being the most conducive. Um, and then as they get like less and less sonorous, they're, <laughs> they become more and more like the beginning or end of a syllable. And so like when you see consonant clusters, they tend to like start with the least sonorous sound and then get more sonorous as you go towards... The, the central vowel and then go back. And like, there, there are like obvious exceptions. Like English has an exception for this. um We, we let you do a consonant cluster, like string or strength where S is more sonorous than T, but like we have like a very limited context in which you're allowed to do it. And I think you can basically only do it with S. Um, and like Russian also has some, some like caveats on this, but like for the most part across basically all languages, if you see consonant clusters, you see this, like, gradient of least less vowel-like to more vowel-like. Um, so I was, like, trying to figure out how to rate consonants on the sonority scale, but I didn't want to do a whole fucking meta-analysis of phonology papers when getting into, like, okay, do, is a sibilant fricative more sonorous than a non-sibilant fricative? What about a lateral fricative? Is a sibilant fricative more sonorous than a lateral? And... Like, people do research on that, and that's the sort of thing that asking the AI for is great, because I can be, like, you know, like, essentially writing up, like, a phonology final quiz, right? Like, give citations, like, write me a little paragraph justifying why, uh, like, and, like, you would order these sounds in terms of their sonority, and it will just, you know, happily output that.
2: Is the idea that you would then use use that to, like, have some weighted list of, you know, I I need a sound here for this syllable.
0: Yeah, essentially. And
2: it, it should be, you know, more likely to be one of these more common, more 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 sonorous.
0: Yeah, like I'm planning on when I get to the part where like it's like it is actually starting to like put together syllables. I'm planning on having it like uh, like obey the like the sonority sequencing principle, unless you probably check a box saying don't do that, in which case the language will sound bizarre. And then, like, I will want to be able to have, like, a ranked ordering of sounds by sonority. So I've been coding that into the data in preparation.
2: I mean, I guess this may vary on a case-by-case basis, but is 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 sounding bizarre a priority or, or or a non-priority? Like, is the intent of a conlang to be pronounceable?
0: Like, my intent is to, like, give people the tools to make a conlang kind of to spec And I assume some people will want a conlang that sounds like a natural human language. And others will have different things that they're going for. And, like, I'm not going to... There's, like, a trend I've been seeing on YouTube lately of cursed conlangs. <laughs> I saw I saw one that was, like, almost entirely linear algebra recently. It was fascinating. It was terrible. Um, and I'm not going to, like, have the generator, like, allow you to do that kind of thing where every single syllable is generated by, like, the, the like, vector multiplication of, the like, semantic components of all the words in the sentence. But, like... I do want to be able to generate something that's like, I don't know, like more Klingon-like or something where like, okay, these are sounds that are rare in, in human natural languages or I they're see. in an order that's weird. Like that I yeah. want to be able to allow, but not by default, maybe. So
2: start with this table of sonorousness and then and then tweak it in some way and see what comes out if we don't follow yeah. these rules. Yeah. I like it.
0: Oh. And like, like my kind of like my goal for the, the baseline product is like, as I said, like something that just kind of generates syllables and mushes them together. And once I have that, like, then I have something I can give to my writer friends and be like, here, it'll do the thing for you.
2: Is, is the dream that this ends up like spitting out a dictionary or a a grammar or just... I
0: could go that far, right? Like, some things that I think would be cool to, like, extend this to doing are, like, assigning, like, syllables or, like, uh, strings of syllables to the, like, thousand or ten thousand most common, like, morphemes or words in a language. And then... Like, it could, com- it could build those into words. Um, you-, you could, like, have some, like, okay, is this an agglutinizing language or whatever? Like, how do we cluster morphemes together to create words? Like, and then you could have a whole, like, semantic dictionary f- of stuff from this language. And that would be cool. If I did that um, and also generated, like, three to five other languages, I could say, like, okay, this language interacts with this other language in the context of like trade and music and then yeah. get loan words going yeah and like okay look well, like, let's put that the word from this other language through some sort of like um, phonetic filter to be like how would the natives pronounce it um, and but now it's now it's a loan word that we have in this language
2: I'm imagining something like the the, the dwarf fortress like world generation step, where you start with the language of this form, and then you introduce five new loan words, and then let it run for another thousand years. Yeah, you know, shaving yeah, off yeah. the 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 fricative consonants, and
1: you need the world generation in order to to find out what cultures meet each other.
0: That would like honestly be a really cool thing to include. Like, I'm not sure how I would have like maps and cultural expansion and world generation but like at the very least i could have like historical linguistics type like progressive sound changes over time i could have like okay there's going to be these vowel shifts or like we're going to start uh intervocalic voicing where we didn't before or we're going to have like word final devoicing where we didn't before or like other like sound changes that crop up um and i could just be like around this time period in the language that starts happening everywhere and then a little bit later, some new sound change in, happens and like have words come into the language at different times. So you like, you can see the effect of those sound changes accumulating on them.
2: Or, or this, this population broke off and this diaspora went over here and
0: yeah. now they
2: have their own regional accent. Right. Oh, that'd be amazing. This is a rabbit I think it'd hole. be
0: super cool. You could generate a whole language family that way. And like, if I can get like semantic drift too, and I'm not entirely sure how I would do that. Mm. I feel like I would need to like, I don't know poke at like how word devec works or something. But if I could get semantic drift over time, then I could be like, okay, this word started out meaning something like this, but then it like generalized to mean things that are kind of in that general category. And then it like re-specified in this one specific direction. And mm. then you could like end up with this word was originally this thing. And now it means this totally diff- different thing. And it's like kind of like a false cognate between these two dialects or whatever.
1: Oh, this reminds me, I believe on a previous episode, we were trying to figure out how we as a culture know that the great vowel shift happened yeah do you know the answer to that
0: um i mean like we have writing from that period and people at the time like t- often spelled things as they sounded to them yeah so like you could see for example when they wrote poetry which words they said rhymed with which words
1: yes
2: but but how do we know the poetry was poetry and not just
1: but but there's like a the the inverted qualia problem happening here too where if if their vowels were shifting, the, the meaning of the vowels on the page would shift along with them.
0: I mean, I'm not I'm I'm trying to figure out like how to express this. Like the, the symbol that like refers to E, like does not have any like strict thing that it has to point to, right? Mm-hmm. So you know that because they use that character for the vowel that is in this word, this word, this word, and this word, you know that those words all have the same vowel. And then what you do is you can look at Like how that, like what vowel shows up in those words in like all of them, the modern descendants of that word and like triangulate backwards, like what is like common to all of those things? Like what, what features do they all share or what features like this one changed this aspect and this one changed this other aspect. And those like both point at like there having been some like middle thing in the past.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: I'm not sure that I'm explaining that great, but like uh biology got like the idea of of like doing like genetic trees from linguistics. Really? And it turns out to be way more useful for them.
1: <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have for topic lords.
0: Oh, wow, okay
1: Elena, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Same place as I am every episode. Uh, I, I'm on the Discord, I don't check it a lot, but if somebody asks me, I'll see it and sometimes I'll swing by and, and read what's going on.
1: Cool and uh court if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet
2: yeah same boat i'm mostly on the topic Lord discord I, I i hang out on maston Don a bit but i don't post much originally so mm. it's not a great place to find me either
1: all right thanks so much for being on thanks for having me of course and we all made it yay <laughs> hi this is jim this is the audio i append to every episode of topic lords congratulations to our newly anointed lords this episode was edited by esper quinn who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!